This episode of Finding Demo Surfishing is being brought to you by the Kids Can Fish Foundation. Kids Can Fish is a state and federally recognized 501c3 charitable foundation, and all the camps and clicks and outreach are funded by the website merchandise sales, sponsors, and donations. Your dollars go back to help these kids get out there and go fishing. They just recently finished up a couple of camps for the summer, and these kids walked away with cast nets fishing rods, knowledge, experience, all of it. So many great things are all put together because your donations make that happen. They've also still got the opening for the 2023 Running of the Bulls tournament. It's on their website at kidscanfish.net. And all the money for that, same thing, rocks right back in. So help these guys out, get them kids out fishing like they always love to tell us. And you hear I love saying it, man. More tackle boxes, less Xboxes. Yes, new week, new episode coming your way. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. Fishing's been good. We are the smack start. I mean, it feels like the middle of summer down here. <laughs> it's not. It's just the start. It's going to be a rough one. June grass is starting to show up. All the interesting water's getting hot. Some different species are coming through. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. This week we're loading up the bus. That's right. We're going north on a digital road trip again. Uh, this time we're going way north. Oh, yeah. We're going to my home state. We're going to Connecticut. And uh, I, I've, I've got great memories of fishing out of Connecticut. Bluefish, some flounder. I believe uh, fluke a couple times, and I'm still not a good fisherman up there. <laughs> but, you know, one day I'll get up there. So this week we're going to be talking with Chris. Now, you guys are going to see this name, and you're going to be like, oh, how's he going to do it? How's he going to butcher it? I'm not. I asked him before the show, so I couldn't I couldn't butch it. <laughs> All right. Slopcheski, welcome. Uh, I'm going to have him on the show. We're going to talk about Connecticut surf fishing. He's been up there for a while. Lots of good information and knowledge coming out of this episode, so I hope you're ready. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, how you doing? I nice am, to be on. I'm great, man, and I'm glad to be talking with you, man. We've been going back and forth in text and... It's been fun seeing some of the images and, you know, you're talking to me about the boat stuff and going after all the other fish. I'm like, okay, I got a little bit of jealousy going on in my heart, in my heart there. Well, it's a whole new, it's a whole different up here compared to where you're used to down there. You know, we have a lot of different species than you do. So it becomes a whole new, like, I don't know, ball game, I guess you could call it. You know, there's a lot to learn. Definitely a lot to learn. And I, you know, it's, it's fun when I post certain pictures like bluefish, everywhere's got bluefish. Um, and down here, a 16 incher is a tank, you know, a 16 incher in your backyard is what, what it's like a guppy. Oh yeah. That's something we would usually be like, Oh, bycatch, you know, toss it back, get bigger. We need more. So definitely. Yeah. Same with flounder. You know, we get the ones that look like a doormat. You know, and then you guys get the smaller ones, and you're like, oh, look at this big one. And it's like, uh, yeah, no, that's a baby. Throw it back. <laughs> so it must be the water, though, yeah, you know, with the different. cold water. Yeah, a little difference. You know, it's like, oh, yep. that's cute. No, what are you <laughs> exactly. <doing? laughs> oh, man. So like I said, everybody, Chris is from Connecticut. Uh, we're going to talk all about Connecticut surf fishing and uh, some boat fishing. We're going to talk all about the fishing up there, actually. And it's just going to be a fun one to learn. So if you're ever going through that area, yes, you can fish, and yes, you can catch fish from the beach areas believe it or not it is available so let's go ahead and start at the beginning here for you chris tell us your story and what got you into fishing so my name is chris and <clears throat> i started getting into fishing 
I want to say my earliest memory would be living next door to my grandparents. Um, I was probably like six or seven. My grandfather would come home with fish and my grandmother, you know, them being immigrants to the country, used to grow everything themselves. And they literally would, you know, my grandfather would go fish and come home and my grandmother would be out there cleaning the fish. And it kind of just got me intrigued, like, where did those come from? You know, he didn't stop at the store and, you know, one thing led to another and he took me out a couple times and, you know, I just kind of got hooked. Originally it was freshwater, you know, and it just kind of progressed slowly for a while. And like everybody else, you know, you, you go through your stages. And as I got older and had kids, um, I had an aunt and uncle that lived on a private lake and I would take my daughter, she'd be like six or seven and, you know, nobody's fishing on this lake and it's just bass everywhere. And she's, got her little Barbie fishing pole, reeling it in and, you know, reeling in a five pound bass and, you know, it became the norm. And from there, I just got hooked even more, excuse the pun. And it just progressed to where I wanted to learn more. And then I got into saltwater and going to the beach, seeing everybody on the shore pulling in, you know, big fish, whether they be stripers or, you know, at the time, bluefish. And it just, became i don't know how you put it um a snowball effect that'd be a great way to put it you just want to learn i learn more and more and that's what i ended up doing and it's gotten to me to the point where i fished you know not just in connecticut but you know new jersey maryland delaware you know even down into mexico on vacation in the bahamas you know and it, it's just it's been an awesome journey and i can't i feel like every day is a new adventure to learn more and more that is the best mentality I've heard out of all my episodes right there. <laughs> Just continuing to learn, man. That's that's yep. the good stuff right there. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. I like to learn. You know, I like to learn new things, learn new knots, or, you know, how to make rigs, or, you know, I mean, I even asked for a smelter for Christmas, you know, and my mother looked at me and said, what? <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and now I make my own, you know, I make my own sinkers and everything, and you know, it's just incredible because you can never stop learning from it. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's an old saying, a minute to learn and a lifetime to master. And it's so true, you know. They're very, very true. Dude, that's such a good that's such a good line right there. Man, I'm going to have to remember. That might be the title of this episode. <laughs> that might just happen to be. Uh, so at all that time that you've done that, well, in your life, freshwater, saltwater, what type of fishing do you like to do now? So originally it was freshwater, but then I learned about the beach and I, you know, led the ocean and everything else. And now it's just, it's saltwater. I mean, it's mostly surf. You know, I love the surf cast. I love the feeling of wading out onto a rock or even just being on shore with my beach cart and kind of just chilling and enjoy the day. It's, it's like the mood, however mood you're in, you can go do it. And it, it's just great anywhere from the shore and once in a while i'll go on like a you know a head boat party boat if you want to call it and you know just for fun to hang out with friends or whatever but most of the time it's just hanging on the beach and surf away oh boy it, the funny thing with connecticut too that always throws me so if you guys haven't seen the topography of connecticut it's a little funky there's a ton of beach houses <laughs> like there is a metric ton of beach houses. Yep. So fishing is not exactly like it is in a lot of spots. You know, you got to contend with uh, so some other things. So keep that in mind if you're going up there. You got to find those fun accesses. That's for sure. Most of them usually are state parks yep. or some sort of park within the area. Um, Connecticut does have the law that a fisherman can go up to, they can fish below the high water mark. 
put a lot of homeowners still, I mean, these people, you know, their houses are million dollars easy being on the water. And, you know, I, I get it, you know, they paid for all this and paid for the view, but you know, at the same time as fishermen, we're allowed to, you know, go that far your best bet is to just be friendly with everybody. And next thing you know, people are like, Oh yeah. Hey, how you doing? You know, and, and you can kind of get a little more access, but honestly, access is getting less and less over time. It's unfortunate. It is. It's not just there. That's for sure. We've seen it throughout. And I'm sure you've seen it as you've gone up and down the coast there. It's yeah, it's a premium. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, New Jersey's another one the same way. Yeah. You know, you have places like long beach Island, which is a state park and you can go and you can actually drive on the beach here, which is great. You know, but even then they limit you on how many people can go in. Same with Ossetee or Chinatook down in Maryland, Virginia line. You know, there's an actual gate with a number. And, if, you know, if they hit that number, you got to sit and wait until someone comes out and then the gate opens and you can go in. So overall, you know, it's starting to get harder and harder to do all this. Well, that sucks. So what is your favorite thing about fishing? Just relaxing you know life is strenuous life you know kind of throws you for a loop everything else fishing you could just forget about everything else around you and just focus on what's in front of you you know and that and the fact that i love to learn you know and and it's like i could sit here and watch you know anything from a youtube video or you know listen to podcasts or and and just pick up little things here and there and then the fact of going out and trying them and if they actually work you know that's even like a bonus you know it's it's just great i love the bonus part (laughs) (laughs) so this is true everybody wants to catch but it's called fishing for a reason yeah sad truth right there it's like man you were gonna make me work for it man really (laughs) (laughs) what has been one of your craziest or favorite catches so years ago I used to work nights and my father had called me and he said, Hey, you want to go to Long Beach Island? And I said, sure. So I got out at I think three in the morning and he's like, well, you're up on the overnight. So you drive down. So we drive down, you know, we get there just as they're opening the beach, stop in the um, tackle shop. <clears throat> sure enough, we go. And next thing you know, we're on the beach and, you know, brought a lawn chair and I'm there sleeping and I got my line in the water, just resting. He's fishing. And about an hour or two in, he's like, wake up, wake up. I caught a fish. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm tired. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You got to see this. It's a striper. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a hundred of them, you know, whatever. No, no, no. Check this out. Look, look. And I wake up and I look and I see the striper and I go, what the heck? And sure enough, someone had filleted it on both sides and threw it back in. And it was still alive, (gasps) and it had bit his line and was on his bait. No way. I've never heard of that story ever again. And I, I, you know, this is kind of before cell phone. I know I'm aging myself a little, but I was like rubbing my eyes like, is this real? Is this real? And sure enough, you know. It was unbelievable. Yeah. That's absolutely insane. So it stole the fillets and threw them back, and the fish swam away and ate again. Yep. Wow. Yeah, it was still alive, and it was still going, and it was that hungry because it was toward the fall, so it was the late striper run. And sure enough, yeah. I'll oh. never forget that as long as I live. It's an amazing story. That is. I mean, to whoever did that, I hope you hear this episode and you have mud butt while stuck in traffic <laughs> in a case of the sneezes for the rest of your life. Yeah. Dude, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, you can't top that. Nope. 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 (laughs) Yep. So what is a bucket list fish for you uh, that you want to catch someday? Someday I'd like to head over onto the Pacific side. I've never been to the Pacific Ocean. 
Um, you know, I've seen like a lot of, you know, like in the Sea of Cortez over in that area, a lot of um, rooster fish from the shore. That'd be a great one because watching that fight is just insane. The way they, they just take that lure and go and they mm-hmm. don't give up even at the end, you know, when they finally get tired, they're still trying to fight. So, but yeah, a lot over that way. I would say probably rooster fish would probably be my biggest one. Dude, roosters look so cool too. I've just seen them yeah. on YouTube. I'm like, that is a cool looking fish. Yep. And with that big, that big mane almost coming off the top, all those spikes. Oh, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's a great bucket list fish. What about a dream place for you to go fish someday? So I've been watching a lot of YouTube like everybody else, and I've seen Australia. And that northern side of Australia, that northwest side, just looks absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Between the kingfish over there and, you know, just oh, unbelievable. The water's crystal clear. You're looking 70 feet down, and, you know, it looks like you can see the bottom. Like, you can almost touch it, mm, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely out there. After after I did that episode with Go Fish Australia, man, I was like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Let, let's let's do that. They, they're not tiny fish from the beach. Like, they get no. some monsters. Oh, the GTs there are ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, they're huge. They're like pulling in a cow. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, yeah, it's a little guy. Like, that's yeah. not, there's oh, nothing little back. about it's that. small. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's, it's like, yeah, that's definitely... Definitely the dream place. Get it. That's a good one. All right. Last question in this part, and then we'll move into your knowledge piece. What has been your favorite fishing memory? So I want to say two years ago during COVID, uh, I went on a headboat and I took my kids. Um, I had three kids and my middle one at the time was 15 and my youngest was 10. And we go out on a headboat and it happened to be one that was private chartered out by the group's Ducks Unlimited. And it's a nonprofit cons- conservation group. It ended up being a boat that holds 160 people, and there was 24 of us on there. And watching my kids for the first time on that boat, literally just pulling up, you know, sea bass and porgies and the look on their face, you, you can't beat that. You know, with all my kids, same thing, just watching them, you know, for fishing for the first time, it's it, it's something, you know, you feel proud of. And I, I don't think I could ever top that. Uh, something special about kids with that and being out there with the family. Well done, man. Well done. All right. Well, we moved out of that one. So we're just going to go right into the next section here, the fishing tips, tricks, and knowledge. But before we do that, hey, you might want to check your bait. It's, it's kind of been a few minutes. It is your first bait check of the episode. Hopefully your line's been just chock full of fish. That'd be awesome. Bring that line in, double check that bait, switch it up if you need to, if you haven't got anything yet. This bait check is being brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Get on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at all the stuff that Chip's got going on in The Sinker Guy garage. Sinkers, he's got you covered. It's in his name. If you need special sizes outside of what the is on the website, reach out and maybe he can help you out there. Maybe some fishing rigs, hooks, floats, beads tools yeah he's got them he's got a bunch of stuff in there head on over to the sinkerguy.com get your order in today so with the knowledge piece let's start off in the beginning here how do you plan your fishing trips so first thing is always it's time but time times three it's time of year time of day or night and time i have available to go fishing so between all those, then we'll be checking out what the tide is, high tide, low tide, slack tide, 
And then lastly, it's season. You know, I mean, there's different things to target, you know, for each season. And at the same time, you know, certain items, you know, certain fish are, are open in that season. Certain ones aren't, you know, then there's a break between them. Then you might get them again. So kind of having that knowledge of knowing when, where, and how really adds up. Great points. So you talked about tide there. And I know we're going to talk about this here in a minute. Um, but do you find the tides are that that's a make or break for you? Sometimes. I mean, I like to personally fish. I'll fish like two hours before high tide all the way through till maybe two hours going into low tide, you know, right in that spot. That seems to be the best time with the tide coming in, all the fish, you know, the bait fish are coming in with it. Everything's following along during slack tide. They're busy along the shore looking around, you know, bait fish are out everybody's out and as this tide starts going out those bait fish are starting to head back in and when they are you know at the same time the the fish are going back out with them makes sense good call okay let's go into the planning there so let's move into the next one so you've already planned it now how do you select your spot um availability and i kind of cheat Google Earth has been a great friend of mine because <laughs> if I find a spot, I'll Google Earth it. And from there, you can actually see if there's any structure underneath, any high points, low points, just past the tide line. You know, and it really helps because you'll see the darker, you know, the darker areas, you know, it's a little deeper. You know, you'll find good holes that way, I seem to notice, especially up here with the limited amount that you have and where you can go. I mean, we do have some small piers. Uh, things along that nature, but I kind of like to go either by myself or, you know, kind of keep everybody within a distance. And it's nothing rude against everyone. It's just my relaxing time as well. Yep. Perfectly put. So let's talk about the structure because you just mentioned a couple of pieces here um, with Google Earth. So you're looking for, what are you looking for? You're looking for deep holes and you're looking for cuts when you get there. You're looking for uh, rip tide or rip currents, anything else? So in Long Island Sound, it's a little different. There's not a lot of wave, so it's hard to find some sort of cut. I mean, you could see them if you're really, really looking. But on certain days when there's not much of a wind, especially, you know, if it's a, if it's a wind blowing off of the shore on, you know, toward the water, you really don't get that much wave. So it's harder to find a cut. Usually with Google Earth, I'll look for a deeper hole. It'll either be a hole or it'll be structure. And depending on where it is, what location, you know, some areas might have a small jetty that comes out, but it had a bigger jetty at one time. So you know there's some structure there because the way New England was formed with glaciers coming down, it pushed a lot of the rock all the way through Connecticut, making it a lot of hills and valleys and pushed it out into Long Island Sound. So you'll get areas where there's very little rock and then you'll get areas that are just covered in rock with, you know, high points, low points. Long Island Sound has, you know, especially toward the lower tide, there's a lot of points where you can actually see way break out in the middle of Long Island Sound because it's got such a high point coming up. So mostly just keeping an eye on everything and just kind of knowing your surroundings really, really helps. Wow. And so that's going to be your biggest structure is, is just trying to find something. You know, there's small amounts of rock, but not any serious big structure unless you really, really start looking. And like I said, Google Earth becomes your really good friend because you see the dark spots in the water. Yeah. 
that's I mean, it's kind of like what we've run into, or I had to basically try to learn how to read a beach when I left here, because me, our water, we're, we're fortunate, we're spoiled. I can see everything. But when I had to go to the Atlantic, um, I realized, wow, I can't see Jack. And then it was, you have to learn to read the waves or just yep. wind or how the, the, the you, it's subtleties. You're not going to get yep. the two foot surf days. You know, you're not going to be lucky like that. So you have to really pay attention up there, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, you really kind of do. And you'll see it, you know, you just really got to, you know, you keep your eye honed in on it and then you'll start to notice it. Just like when you're down, you know, down South and you guys have more of wave, you actually notice when a cut is there, you know, or, or there's a stronger current coming through, you know, here it's more subtle. So you kind of find your own path as you go. Man, nicely played. That's going to help you out big time, no matter where you go. So that's, that's awesome. Have you found that any kind of moon phases make things better or worse for you when you're fishing in the area? Usually right after a full moon, you get a little better bite. Um, like, so I'll go for squid every once in a while and it's great. The problem is on a full moon, it's horrible because it's so bright that <laughs> yeah. the squid don't even bother with you. And, you know, you want the darker conditions the better because, you know, you go at night and you have the lights on, you know, under the boat or at the water's edge and it'll attract the bait fish, which attract the squid. But when it's that bright out, that light is almost useless. But as far as fish, I mean, I would say right after, like the last day of the full moon and maybe a couple days after, I've done a lot better. Okay. Well, your area of fishing is different than a lot of people. And when I bring up this question of rigs, uh, a lot of people are, somebody called me out on it. Let's go with that. And I said, you know what? You got a great point. I never thought of it like that. A lot of people, you know, from our surf side like to use high, low rigs or they like to use Carolinas. But the one thing that people uh, need to remember is your rig is dependent on what you're targeting. That, that's always the important thing. That's going to really mm -hmm. show you up what you're going to do there. Well, you mentioned bluefish, striper, squid, and squid is an interesting one. I'd love to talk more about that, but let's talk about your rigs that you use. So if I want a relaxing day on the beach, I'll bring a high-low rig, and I make my own. So what I do is I make that tail end where the, where the sinker goes, I make it longer. So we do have some, you know, natural vegetation underneath, so to kind of get it out of that vegetation, I'll leave the tail, you know, usually on a tail, they're like maybe 12 to 18 inches. I'll make it two feet. So it keeps it just out of that, that vegetation. And I seem to do pretty well. I mean, I've, I've caught plenty of stripers that way, you know, just keeping it right out of the edge. Um, I'll usually on a high low, I'll make the T knot. And when I do, it's about three to four inches, just enough that it doesn't really wrap around, but yet it'll float in the breeze or in the in the current and i've watched a lot of different you know like like pompano rig set up with floats and beads and i've gotten into using floats and beads now especially for porgy and i noticed i was out the other day and i noticed that porgy tend to like the darker color like a silver and a blue and, you know, that's one day of going out with it because I've just started using them. But, you know, I have all different rigs with different colors. And if nothing's biting, I'll try different ones. But it's usually a high-low setup. If I'm going out for just either top water or low end, I'll bring the surf bag and the rod and just walk the beach and, you know, see what I got. And I can hit from there. But it's usually a high-low rig. 
Okay. I never would have thought that, actually. I figured you were Carolina running. And I love what you said there about making a two-foot leader, that section, between the bottom drop and the sinker. Because that makes total sense. You're going to want to get it up a little bit. It's not going to be a ton, but it's going to be enough. Yep. Yeah, otherwise otherwise your low bait gets stuck right in all that vegetation. And next thing you know, it's not even being seen. You know, or you might end up with something like a skate or, you know, a dogfish, which... You know, yeah, they're fun to catch, but it's not your goal. It's not what you're looking for. Right. What kind of bait do you use for striper? Uh, a lot of clam, squid. Um, I've been going on my own now, so um, I have my own. I have my freezer with squid in it, not just for eating, but for bait as well. And, of course, it's all marked. I don't need my wife getting the wrong one. <laughs> you know, and I've, I've learned to start salting a lot of my baits as well. So I'll bring fresh and salted. And then this way... I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put some fresh, but I'll put some salted and it tends to hold on, you know, with the current and everything. And it tends to hold a little longer on the end of the line and on the hook. Wow. Okay. So when these fish, when you're casting, I know these aren't a part of it, but this is important, I guess. How far out are you finding these fish from the shoreline? So I've caught anywhere from 10 feet out all the way to as far as I could cast. And I'll usually set up uh, like a fan and I'll start small, then I'll go farther out, you know, and I mean, it's hard because we don't have a lot of break, but you could try to find, you know, something where you see the wave ride a certain way, you know, that there's some sort of break or structure underneath and try to throw out there. And of course, you know, you got to throw the one, the longest one you can. Right. Why else would you have a 14 foot rod, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, hey, that's what it's for. But, you know, I'll try to fan it out. And this way I, I'm hitting all the zones, you know, and I'll mix up the baits along the way. If it's a, if it's a double, you know, if it's, you know, I got two hooks on there. Well, maybe I'll try one of each, you know, try some clam, try some squid. If I'm going for, you know, porgy or sea bass, I might even do, um, I'll do bloodworm. And, you know, we don't have uh, sand fleas up here because there's really no sand. It's all just rock. And even our beaches have some very little sand, but it's mostly just small, fine rock mixed in with larger ones. So, but, you know, you use the bloodworm out there and you use the clam or you use the squid and squid, you'll make, you know, long strips. And, you know, I usually make a, like a tail, but a point and then that way to flow in the breeze or I'll just take and I'll cut the middle of it. So it looks like almost two tails floating in and you'd be surprised what you can get. I mean, I've gotten everything from the beach from weak fish all the way to uh stripers you know striped bass sea bass fluke i mean i could just sit here and list all the different ones you know even right down to american eel which supposedly they're really good to eat but i don't know if i want that <laughs> yeah you cross into the eel i mean well i can't say i don't like eel because i love eel on sushi and i love eel sauce so definitely a weird texture but that would be cool to catch and try that'd be a fun catch and yeah. cook yeah, I've caught a couple, and I've thrown them back, and then, you know, I'll post pictures or whatever, and everybody's like, well, weren't you bringing that home? I'd eat that. And I'm like, no! <laughs> you know, when they, 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 they love to wrap around your arm, you know, because they, yeah. they feel like they need to, and they leave this slime coating on you that you just cannot get off. You almost need turpentine <laughs> to get it off at the end of the day. It just sticks. It's incredible. Oh, that sounds hilariously awful. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is. It's hilariously, awfully great, you know, just that feeling. And they do put up a pretty good fight. I'll give them that. 
Oh, man, I can imagine they would. I mean, well, that body's doing its own thing, and it's just a snake. It's a water snake. Yep. Nope rope. That's what it is. It's yeah. a nope rope. Yep. So you're pouring your own sinkers. Um, let's talk about this then. What kind of what kind of sinkers do you prefer to fish with up there? Um, usually sandbank. <clears throat> and the biggest reason is with sandbank, what's happening is, you know, there is some rock on the ground, uh, you know, on the on the bottom of the floor. And, you know, you want them to roll with um, a pyramid sinker, either a three or a four. They're going to get caught up because they have that, that tighter edge. Um, I've been starting to use barrel uh, long those long skinny barrel sinkers and i've noticed that they seem to be a little better but they're long and narrow so you have a lot more sinker to throw in the bottom compared to a short little weight from a sandbank but i'm still looking for a good mold for them to to try it out a little more but otherwise basically just sandbank you know i mean if i go to the pier then i'll just drop down you know a pyramid because i want it to stay i mean I've used um, Sputniks, but like I said, you don't know where there's rock, and it, you go to start dragging it in, and it just gets caught, and you're done. You lose it. Yeah, yeah. Rock, rocks and Sputniks are not a good combination. No. I mean, they were great when I went to Jersey and to, you know, Maryland, like Ossetique. That's all I use when I go down there, you know, because that's just a sandy bottom, but not up here. Uh, New England is just rock. You go to dig any hole in the ground and you Ugh. hit rock almost instantly. Yeah. Friggin' granite for days. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm like having flashbacks of like, oh, this is fun. No, it's not. No, <laughs> no it's, it's not. not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh, to think of them as a kid, I was enjoying it. Now as an adult, everything I think of like from my years back there, all I think is, oh, snow. Now is, oh, snow. Oh, oh yep. rocks. Yeah, you kick them when you're walking. They hurt. You know, as a kid, you're like, whatever. But no, oh, yeah, yep. man, no, not fun. Well, We've been fortunate. It's been it's been weird the last couple of winters. It hasn't been warm enough or cold enough to go ice fishing unless you go yeah. really up north, and it hasn't been warm enough to go out toward the water either. You know, you get that gray area. So winter time is basically just maintenance. You know, service all my rods, service my reels. You know, do I have to put any new um, guides in? You know, what do I have to do? Drag washers, you name it. And that's what I do for most of my winter, locked up in my basement like every other New Englander. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's good, though. You know to do the maintenance in the off time, so it's perfect. You get it all done in one shot. Yep. Well, you mentioned this other one, but I want to do this. Uh, we're going to do a bait check first, but I think you answered the next question. But, man, this is going so good. I'm enjoying this. Like, I got a permanent smile on my face. I'm loving this. <laughs> this is great. No, I'm having a blast. I love this. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. All right, let's get this bait check knocked out. It is your second bait check of the episode. Hopefully you've caught a bunch of fish. And if you haven't, yeah, man, what are you doing? It's time to move. Maybe you got to go find something else or use a different bait. Fish isn't liking it. Just change it up a little bit. You never know what's going to happen. This bait check is being brought to you by Ninja Tackle. NinjaTackleVA.com is my fun little place to go when I need a rod. Yeah, I do. You guys know me. I love that seven footer. I've been loving the one piece travel, uh, the one piece all in one, but the travel rod with the two different tips. That's been a lot of fun, and I look forward to getting that out more in the water. Lots of really cool pieces that are very helpful with that rod. All the way up to 12 footers, got them in between. So if you need a new rod, the Ninja Tackle, Ninja Dagger series, absolutely wonderful. If you need a reel, maybe some rigs. Hey, he's got them all in there. Or if you're into firearm accessories, Ninja Tactical. That's right. He's got you covered on that for optics and other weapons accessories. So you can head over to NinjaTackleVA.com, access all of that, and be set up and good to go. 
So you talked about squid, and this is the one that's throwing me. Like, are you catching squid boat or squid or squid from beach? So you can do squid from boat. Uh, they're mostly toward Long Island, yeah. like Watch Hill area. Uh, Taylor Swift lives out that way. If anybody's familiar, like she lives on Watch Hill. The last time I was there, we were squid fishing in front of her house. You know. <laughs> But I she's mean, on tour anyway. She wasn't yeah, watching. Exactly. I don't think she's going to be out there squid fishing off her dock. You know, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but um, so you can fish a squid from shore. It's mostly uh, docks anywhere there's at night and there's light shining down in. It attracts the bait fish, which attracts the squid. Squid season is usually around from uh, maybe the end of April into May toward June-ish, it depends on the weather and depends on the water as well. Like we had a mild winter, so they came through earlier. And then you'll go back again in the fall, you know, October, no, beginning of November, somewhere around there, you know, late September. You get a month or so, but it, and when they come, they come and it's, it's a blast. You go with light tackle. Um, so you can get these, these little squid rigs. If you go on a boat, it's, they give you everything. But I usually, I have a small pen raft. And I mean, it's, it's like a four and a half foot rod and it's a, I don't know, it's like 2000 reel, but it's a blast. You know, it's a high, low setup on it, you know, a little bit of weight and you just literally drop it to the bottom and then reel it up just a hair and then just pull it up and let it float back down. And the squid will come on the, usually on the downside when it's floating back down and they have two tentacles that stretch out farther than the rest of them. And it's like those, uh, elastic toys, you know, that had the sticky end that you throw and they stretch out and you can pull something back. Yeah. It's the same exact principle. They have two of those. It pulls it in and then the hooks are non, there are no barbs on the hook and they're umbrella hooks that face upward. So once they grab it, they get stuck to it. And then when you reel it in, it's great. They put up a little fight, not too much, but when they get near the top, they start to spit and they usually just spit water. But every once in a while, they'll spit ink along with it. So you got to be quick to get it up and get it in. <laughs> you know, last time I went, my nephew went with me and he got ink. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, it wasn't severe, but he still did, you know. <laughs> so, but no, it was great. And it's so easy to de-hook. You literally just hold the lure upside down and they come right off because there's no bars. No kidding. So it's just a yep. squid jig pulls and, and they just hit it and you pull them in and bring them home. Yep. It's, uh, it's, it looks like a prawn or shrimp you know and usually they have some sort of fluorescent or glow-in-the-dark feature whether it's a belly with some small legs or you know it's built in a pattern or anything like that and you literally can just hold it up to the light that's coming off the boat it's usually blue light and you could hold it up to the boat you know before you drop it all the way in for like a minute or so 30 seconds and then it'll just you know just keep going and it'll glow and you can see it as you pull it up you'll see the colors glowing you know reflecting off of the light it, it, it's great and it's so fun it's so relaxing last time i went was boat and you know we had the they had the radio on it was only maybe 15 people on a 100 plus boat and we just enjoyed it the captain was even squid fishing off the second deck out the window you know <laughs> it was that simple it was great you know but it's fun i never thought i'd like it and i just saw it on a whim and i was like yeah, i try that and i'm like i'm hooked now literally i mean it's great <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with fresh squid to eat. Oh, yeah. Or bait, because I still yeah. use it for bait. So. Yeah, very, very good bait. We, so you mentioned a bunch of species, but let's bring this one. What type of fish do you like to target? 
So it depends on the season. Um, up here, we go through so many different season, seasons. Um, spring, we'll get the stripers to run through. Of course, squid. Um, you'll get the flounder fluke. And you'll start to get a little sea bass. Uh, tog is another one. I really never went for tog. I don't know why, because everybody says it's a blast. So maybe next year's list, we'll have to see. And then when you get into spring and summer, mostly um, you'll go for some blues. You'll go for striper again. You'll get the ones that kind of hold over instead of going, keep going up north. Because they'll come up here, come up into the, into the rivers, all up into the estuaries. They'll, they'll spawn, then they'll come out hungry, and then they'll just keep going north as they follow the bait going all the way up the bunker. Um, then you start getting into the, you know, with the summer, you'll get some stripers, not too much. You'll get, like I said, the blues, you'll get porgy. Uh, then in fall, you'll get the striper run coming back through. They're following again down toward the, they're going to the Chesapeake down in that area or to the Hudson area, Hudson river area. Uh, they're finding now that a lot of them are staying up here and they're going up the Hudson river into the smaller estuaries. So there's a lot of holdovers more than ever now. And in the, like I said, in the fall stripers, you know, sea bass and blue squid, that usually rounds it out. And then winter, you're kind of just, you know, I'll go till November, sometimes December, depending on the weather. And then I, I wait till, you know, January, February into late March before I go out again. Man, I didn't realize they were running the Hudson like that. That's the first I've ever heard. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're tagging a lot more and, you know, with all the studies they're going now, <clears throat> excuse me, with, with, with the stripers coming in they're they're starting to notice certain sizes are certain years, you know, like a certain class, like when you graduate high school, class of 84, class of 92. And I think it's class of 96 this year are coming up short. So what they're doing now is they're changing for basically new England down to, I think it's Virginia they're going to make it where the slot size is only going to be 28 to 31 inches with circle hooks only. Um, if you're running on fresh bait, if you're running lures, it's different. You can, you can use the treble or you can use a J, you know, a lot of people go single now instead of the treble. It's just easier. Yeah. And they, they still hit and the, the, you know, there's really no difference in when you're using, um, uh, a lure, it really doesn't make that much of a difference of how it would move compared to what it would with a, um, a you know, treble hook. So, but no, they're finding a lot that are staying up north now. And, you know, early spring, you'll catch more down toward the Hudson River, you know, down toward like the Statue of Liberty area where they come out and you will be surprised. So, but yeah, the class of, I think it's 96, they want to keep them going because they seem to be short. So that's why they enacted this uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island have already signed on to it right away. Uh, the rest of the states like New Jersey, Maryland, Delaware have till, I think, believe it's July 2nd to enact it into law. So it's just the way it's going. You know, they're trying to protect the species. And I honestly don't blame them. There's been more and more stripers every year. And you, you know, look at the guys from Jersey, they'll tell you the blitzes are incredible, you know, and a lot of, a lot of old timers are saying, Oh, I remember this back in the seventies and the sixties. So. The conservation goes a long way. And I mean, you've seen it, you're in the fishing world. I mean, <clears throat> we've got different people that have different feelings like, Oh, there's so many, we should be able to catch more. And then there's the other one of, yeah, but the one that you caught today and then the one you catch tomorrow 
that's more than enough. What do you need more? Because every fish is going to dump a couple thousand eggs, and you're just hoping that 10% of them make it. That, that's all oh, you could hope for. Exactly. And and now there's more people fishing than ever, yep. you know, across the world, not even just in the country. You know, and COVID was a big reason for that because it was something to do outside to get out and do right. something. And it was inexpensive. You know, a lot of people, you know, either being laid off or having to worry about their job or anything still, it was cheap. You know, you could go down and, and you could actually, you know, take a sabiki rig and get your own bait if you really wanted to. <laughs> yes, you, you know, can. <laughs> throw, throw some corn on there and, you know, three or four and up here you'll get peanut bunker, you know, and, and, and it's like, boom, there you go. Now you got bait. Oh, the corn. The corn trick always works. It always Still does, does especially for trout up here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so perfect. All right, so moving into the next one of this, what do you do when you go fishing in a new place you've never been before? So I do like to do my homework. Um, I'll follow in that area some of the tackle shops, um, you know, like on Facebook or Instagram just to kind of get a feel of what everybody's targeting at what time of year, you know, if I'm going somewhere, say in the summer, I want to know what's, what's going to be around. And you'll notice that with, with, you know, following tackle shops and following, you know, on Instagram or Facebook. And at the same time, when I get there, I will, you know, go in and talk to them. Hey, what's going on? How's it doing? Yeah, I'm down for a couple of days. And most of the time, I mean, it's very seldom, but most of the time people are more than happy to talk to you about it. You know, as long as you're willing to listen and learn and not sit there and try to brag, oh, you know, no, no, be a little humble and it will go a long way and you will learn quite a bit. Absolute truth right there. That's so nice when people are like, how do you do this? I'll show you. What do you want to know? Yep. <laughs> oh, I've learned a lot that way. It's great. Just talking to people, you know, yeah. being friendly. Goes a long way. So there you go, everybody. Be nice. Jeez. Don't got to make it worse. How do you adjust your tactics for fishing when the bite isn't on fire? Usually I'll try to move, um, you know, seeing what's around. What am I going for? If, you know, stripers aren't hitting, maybe I should mix it up and, you know, try for porgy or try for sea bass. You know, I, I, I know a lot of people try to target one species, but at the same time, you're not always going to get it. So you might as well have fun. Try something a little different. Mix it up, you know. Uh, throw some squid on there, you know, try your different baits. And like I said, I, I try to fan out. And if that's still not hitting, then I'll try different baits at different, you know, different locations all the way at shore, you know, maybe 30, 40 feet out, you know, all the way out as far as I can go and just try different things. You never know. I mean, you know, I've caught, I've caught stripers on bloodworms when I was going for porgy and I'm like, how did that hook hold? <laughs> so when you, it's a one odd hook that should not have caught, you know, it's, it's just, it's the weirdest thing, but you know, you never know, especially up here, you know, you can't see in the water, so you don't know what's there. So you have to just go by instinct. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect point. All right. So we'll give you the last question in this because you already answered the other two. How is fishing different in your areas than others that you've known, uh, others that you visited? A lot of it is species and just conditions, you know, you can go down. I've been down to, like I said, I've been to, you know, Long Beach Island in New Jersey, down to Ossetee, Chinatook, Delaware, all of that. But it's different conditions is going to give you different results. You know, I'm not going to take the same thing I would up here and go down there and try to get the same species. You know, it's going to be different for them. They're going to, you know, you would, the water's a little more clearer. You're out directly on the ocean, not in Long Island Sound. 
you know, the current's going to be different. The cut's going to be different. So you're just going to have to change your tactics accordingly. And it goes back to knowing what's in that area and what you're going to target. Well played and well put. So thank you for that. Given, see people, you don't have to get crazy, but there are subtle differences and you can use them to your massive advantage. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, I've been trying, like I said, like I told you, I've been trying, you know, um, pompano rigs, you know, setting up like a pompano style rig up here, just on Porgy to see what I get. You know, I mean, you guys, you know, going farther down, why, why can't I see if it works? Right. And like I said, it has to some extent. I mean, I'm not, you know, overwhelmed with Porgy in my freezer, but, you know, I do okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. And now you've got something new to use. And when people are like, well, how are you catching a Porgy? What? I don't know. It's yep. just weird luck. Don't look at my float. Yep. I've had people look at me going, what's that? You know, and, and there it is. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. It's okay. You know, or I, I, so since making my own rigs, I literally, I'll, if I, I talk to someone or whatever, and I'm talking for, I'll hand them one. I have no problem with it. You right. know, here, try this, you know, and I've gotten good results. I mean, last time I went squid fishing, I gave one, a rig to a guy because he saw how I was making my own. And he's like, oh, I'm going to have to try that. You know, I go down to this place and I'm like, try it, see what happens. And I don't know if he ever caught anything, but, you know, just that fellowship of, you know, a fellow fisherman. You know, I'm not going to spot burn, but at the same time, you want some help? I'm more than happy to give you any advice I can. That's always great, man. And you bring, you bring up a really interesting point I'd love to talk about on this podcast for this. I was having a conversation not too long ago with Chip Brundage, the sinker guy, and we were talking about downsizing and tackle. And he'd asked me, well, what are you doing? And I said, I, actually, this year I've gone down to mostly beads, and I've gone down to smaller beads. I've noticed that my floats that I used last year or the year before, they weren't hitting like they were. It, it was a weird just a weird gathering of like, why is this different? This rig has always, it's, there's a couple that I consistently use. Those are guarantee. I'm going to catch a fish on, never have to worry about it. And there was a run where I wasn't. And I was like, okay, something is weird. Something has changed. Downsized it to naked rigs or a bead. And all of a sudden, Hey, I'm catching again. So it was like, okay, this is strange, but you bring up such a great point that this matters like that is moving up north, like there, or there you are, and then going on a new float, and you're getting porgy. It's like, huh, well, that's a different change. Switching it off and switching it on and switching other things may just be the one different piece of the puzzle that makes that fish bite or makes that fish go, oh, no, I want nothing to do with that. I know what that is. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, fish are fish. They're always going to be there. Yep. Just try something different. You know, if it doesn't work, what well, you didn't catch anything. Well, you weren't catching anything before you really didn't lose out. Yeah. But what if it, what if it is that one thing, you know, I've been using beads more that actually glow in the dark because our water is darker. It's a little murkier, you know, and what's to say that it's not going to attract your attention. Fish in general, like shiny things. Yeah. So therefore, you know, having that on there with minimal hardware, but having that shiny thing where they're going to go to try to bite and then they smell food and be like, Oh, shiny and food. I'm in. And next thing you know, you got something on your line. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. And, and shiny gets all of us too. It gets the anglers even worse, but Hey, the fishing lures work. Everybody look, see, they can, it works yep. both sides. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get to the end of the last section here. The closing questions. Before we do that, we'll do our final bait check and then we'll get going from there.
It is your final bait check of the episode. Hopefully you've caught a bunch of fish while you've been listening to this or you're going to when you get there. And if you haven't, you got to switch it up. Change something. We just talked about a great change that you might want to incorporate. I mean, just saying. And it's fitting that this bait check is being brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. Do you need floats? Oh, what do you know? He's got you. These glow-in-the-dark ones. You know, Chris was talking about glow-in-the-dark. Oh, yeah. They got them at DS Custom Tackle. I love them. They also have a gold side and the uh, the green side, which is the glow-in-the-dark. They're phenomenal. Absolutely great, uh, great floats. Or if you need to get hooks or other tackle and pieces like that, they got you covered. If you're a rig maker and you're looking to get into the wholesale game or looking for a supplier, DS Custom Tackle will have you covered. Reach out to them to work out the price list and to get all the information there so you can continue to build off of that. DSCustomTackle.com. So let's do the last ones here, and I'm going to move. Uh, I'm going to move a little question different here before I finish it. What do you think has been a reason for such a surge to surf fishing? Honestly, I think it's COVID. Um, yeah. COVID people were buying boats, and then they couldn't keep up. I mean, I'd I'd go to like Bass Pro or Cabela's, and you know they're big, very big up here, and they would used to have boats all in the parking lot all on their showroom floor you walk in and there's nothing it's like you know you're waiting for tumbleweeds to go by because everybody bought up everything they could and they couldn't keep up and so you know you can't go out on a boat fishing what can you do you can go from shore you know here you have to get a freshwater license get the salt water you know additional that gets tacked on and you're pretty much free to go to any state park you know in connecticut our state parks are free so you could go to any state park and you could try and, you know, your family can come with you and, you know, they can play in the, in the water or they can play on the shore and you're over there fishing away. So it just became easier, I guess you could say for everybody. And, you know, COVID really is the big surge followed by everybody on Facebook and Instagram and all these other sites, YouTube watching everyone because they're home doing nothing or, you know, they're not doing everything that they normally did, not going on vacation, having more time. So then they get more involved because they see it and they want to do it too. But yeah, honestly, I think COVID was the biggest one. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, it was the ultimate when you could get outside and that was the only way to get outside and do something that was a phenomenal release. Oh, definitely. What knowledge would you give to a brand new angler? Study where you're going to go. Study what you want to search for, what your target species is. And don't be afraid to ask questions, whether it's through social media, through friends, through a tackle shop, anything along those lines. That knowledge and that information is going to save you a lot of time and money. Um, You know, not buying... So you don't buy unnecessary things, but at the same time, you're going to be able to enjoy yourself more and catch more fish. Dude, that's so good that you made that point right there of you'll be able to enjoy your time. Because, yes, fishing is relaxing. Catching is double relaxing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know what? What's what's that old adage? A bad day of fishing is still better than a good day of work. Oh, absolutely is. I mean, I'm not, it still holds true. <laughs> it really does. I'm not saying that when I'm crawling under an RV working on something that I'm not thinking, oh, I could be at the beach. That would be yep. nicer. <laughs> what do you recommend to someone coming to Connecticut to uh, fish that's never been there before doing before they even throw one line in the water? Study the area between the geography, where you can go, where you can't go. Um Try to find a target species within season so you're not wasting your time throwing out chunks of, you know, bunker 
when the stripers aren't there or you're, you know, throwing crab for tog when it's not tog season and they're not here. Just kind of, it's, it's, the fish aren't always here at the same time. So you have to know your seasons. You have to have that knowledge, that information. And once you do ask around, it's not that hard. A lot of people are more than willing to help you, you know, just be friendly and social. <laughs> Get a lot more with honey than you do vinegar. Just, you know, that's saying. right. All right. Well, Chris, let, this has been great, man. I'm having a bunch of, I've had a, nothing but fun and I've really been enjoying your knowledge. It's been great. Now let's get the last question and get you back on your day. What's next for you? So my company has um, a plant in Costa Rica and my boss has said, asked me, when am I going to visit that plant? Mm-hmm. And I said, what day is what's the best season to go fishing down there (laughs) followed by, I don't know, ask some of the guys there, they'll probably take you. So it looks like next year I'm trying to plan a trip to Costa Rica through work and I'll have a couple days to at least try some fishing out there. Oh no, work trip and fishing. Oh no. (laughs) Exactly. So I'm, I'm looking for a travel rod. Ninja tackle. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I have actually looked at that one. I like it. So I, I might be uh, might be getting one at some point to take down with me, so I can at least say I caught something off of mine. So nice. But other than that, just enjoying, you know, learning things and going fishing. You know, just that whole sense of just going out there, even if I don't catch anything, it's still it's what it's about. It's just enjoying everything in general. You know. I love it, man. Thank you. That's so well put, and you're living the good life, and I love it. And I can't wait to hear about the Costa Rica thing. I know you and I'll stay in touch, so I'm uh, I'm oh. going to be doubly jealous here. But I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing your Costa Rica trip. Oh, definitely. You know, I'll send you pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether to be, here. I don't know whether to thank you or like send you back emojis <laughs> with fingers. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you one of those postcards that says "Wish you were here." Oh, you know? <laughs> thank, yeah, just do it with a good fish, and then then I'll then I'll feel really good about it. <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta come up here soon. We gotta we gotta go out. Yes, I'll sir. take you squidding. You'd really like squidding. It, it's actually so fun. It's uh, how can I put it? You remember as a kid, you, you rode a go-kart and, you you know, you, you had fun and you yeah. went around. Now, every once in a while as an adult, you go ride a go-kart and you're like, I remember that. That was so much fun. That's probably the best way I could describe how the feeling I get from it. It's just like, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's really not thinking. It's not trying to figure out what they're going to bite. You know, it, it's more of just finding that location and just enjoying yourself with the people around you. And, you know, you, especially if you go on like a headboat and, and just enjoy it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I have to come visit you. Oh no. I have to go back to Connecticut and see my family and go fishing with Chris. Oh no, I can't do that. Well, you could just come fishing with me. You don't have to see your family. <laughs> <laughs> My grandmother would be furious. <laughs> well, dude, so Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. You've been completely packed with great knowledge and information on there, and I've definitely picked a couple things up, too, that I'm going to try here, especially with that uh, double-drop pompano rig. I know we don't have a ton of uh, grass here, but you're giving me an idea of some different length and height, so I want to try that. So thank you for sharing that, and thank you for just coming on the show and being here, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, it was a pleasure. I mean, uh, you know, what you do in, in your podcast, uh, you know, I've been listening or probably every single episode by now, but 
you know, you always have a wealth of different knowledge, you know, from different points of view and no one perfect person is right, but combined all that knowledge, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's the goal of it, man. Spread the knowledge so that everybody can eventually get out and try something different and catch fish. That is the ultimate, ultimate goal. I agree. All right, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I look forward to talking with you soon and I'll see you next time. You got it. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, everybody. Well, I hope this episode helped you. As you heard, we were in Connecticut talking with Chris. Lots of good knowledge on there. And the squid fishing, I mean, if you're a squid fisherman and you ever wanted to try it, this is the perfect opportunity. Now we know a place we can all go. Lots of good fish up there, stripers, blues. Ah, uh, man, I got I got the whole list, but I'm not going to rehash it. I'm not going to do that to you guys. I hope you had a great one enjoyed it. Take care of yourselves. Be safe out there. Catch a lot of fish. Make sure you send some pictures in. I love seeing what you catch. And uh, tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. I only want to make the show better for you. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. I'm out of here. <laughs>